really glad that you're here. We're continuing a series we started last week called Our Story. And what we talked about last week is we talked about what is the mission of our church? What is the mission of Freedom Fellowship? And we talked about the fact that our mission is the same that it's been ever since we began, and, and, and that's never changed, and that mission is to help people discover true freedom that only comes from Jesus Christ. And we talked last week about what that means and what our role is in that, and so if you weren't here, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to that podcast so that you can kind of get a sense of who we are as a church. Well, when we began the church, <clears throat> we began with this mission, and we believed in it, and, and we were passionate about it, and then as we began to operate, one of the things that, that we realized pretty much right away, is that we needed, we needed something along with the mission to help us stay on track. In other words, the mission answers the question for us of, of what we're trying to do and why we're trying to do it, but we needed something to answer the question of, okay, how are we going to do that? Because one of the things that's true is that we can, if we're not careful, we can begin trying to do anything and everything to accomplish that mission, and pretty soon we're not doing anything at all very well because we're trying to do 25 or 30 different things, and we do 25 or 30 different things kind of okay. And, and we, one of the things we figured out was we're not smart enough or, or talented enough as a staff and as elders to be able to do that many things well. So we need to try to narrow it down. And what are two or three things that we can focus on that, that we need to do, that if we do those things we believe, it will help us be a church that accomplishes that mission. It will help us be a church that helps people discover true freedom that only comes from Jesus Christ. So as we started talking about that and, <clears throat> and thinking through those things and we started looking at what we already did and, and what was important to us, one of the things we, we discovered was is that we were already doing a couple of things anyway that we believed in. And so, so we, we came up with a strategy statement that, that we talked with you some about last year. And, and here's what we believe our strategy is. This is. Our strategy is to help us accomplish what our mission is. And this is our strategy, to create churches where people are encouraged and equipped to grow toward Jesus Christ, develop real relationships, and love people. See, we believe that the, the mission of this church, that's the soul of our church. That's who we are down to our core. That's what should motivate us. But the strategy is, is the hands and feet, that that's what it takes, that it's going to take these things to make us get to the point where we can accomplish what our mission is. And we believe that the three things that we can focus on that will help us be a church that can accomplish our mission is to grow towards Jesus Christ, develop real relationships, and love people. And that's what I want to talk to you about today and for the next two weeks. Today we're going to talk about the first one of those. We're going to talk about what it means to grow towards Jesus Christ. See, one of the things that, that I told you last week is that we try to base everything that we do on what you find in the Scripture. And what, when you read through the Old and New Testament, there are certain, certain things in there that, that come out over and over again, certain themes. And we, and we try to pull out what those are, and then we try to base what we, what we do, decisions we make, the way we operate, based on the things that we read in Scripture. Well, one of the things that you read in Scripture that, that is true from, from beginning to end is that growth is natural for someone who follows Jesus, for someone who's a part of, of what God's doing. That growth is natural. It, it's something that should be happening. And you know that to be true just from everyday life, don't you? That growth is a, is a natural thing and something that doesn't grow, that's, that's not natural. Uh, I was thinking about this when uh, a couple weeks ago, my oldest daughter Emily is, is off at college and she was home for Christmas and my younger daughter Grace is 13 and of course she was there and, and there was uh, 
one night where, where all of a sudden I realized that Sherry and I, we had already gone to bed and Sherry was asleep and I'm laying there watching a ball game or something and the girls were still up. And I was thinking about how weird that is from the way it used to be. And those of you that have kids uh, that are young right now, you understand what bedtime is all about, don't you? understand what an ordeal bedtime can be every night. That if like if you want the kids in bed by 8.30, then you start this process about 7.30, right? And you start talking to them about, okay, it's going to be bedtime, and they're going to want something to drink, and so you bring them something to drink, and then the, you might need to tell them a story, and sometimes you, you, know, you want to do prayers or read the Bible with them, and then you turn out the light, and then they're scared, and so then you come back in, and you sing a song to them, and then you turn out the light, and then they're scared again, and they tell you they're hungry, and you tell them to shut up, they're not hungry, you know, all that stuff. And that's the kind of the way it goes when they're young, right? And, and at some point, and I don't really know when it changed, I, I just realized when I was laying there in bed that night, I thought, we don't, have to do any, we don't have to do any of that anymore. We just say, we're going to bed. Y'all are on your own. And, and it's cool like that, right? And, and it changes as it gets older. And why? Because these kids grow. They don't stay small all their life. They don't need a bedtime story every night. They don't need you to bring them a glass of water or give them a flashlight for when they get scared of monsters or whatever it is. They don't need that anymore. And you know what would be weird? What would be weird and abnormal is if my 19-year-old daughter, who is a freshman in college, if every night I had to call her about the time she goes to bed and maybe FaceTime her on my phone and say, give her a story and tell her it's going to be okay and tell her that I would tuck her in. if I, That would be weird, right? Why? Because she's grown up. She's grown out of that. You know what would be even weirder than that is if, if I'm 44 years old, if I called my mom and said, hey, mom, can you drive from Columbia up here and rock me to sleep tonight? That would just be really, really weird. Because, see, when, when things don't grow, that's not normal. And as a follower of Jesus, we're supposed to grow. We're, supposed to, we're not supposed to be the same today as we were way back when we were young and we first heard about Jesus. That if, if, it's, if, it's, if we're a healthy follower of Jesus, if we're really doing what we're supposed to do, then there's going to be growth because growth is natural. And so as I was thinking about that, I, I thought about the, the book of 1 Peter because Peter was, and I don't know if you know his story, we'll talk about his story longer on another day, but, but Peter was, was one of Jesus' disciples, and he was pretty much Jesus' right-hand man, and, and he did a lot of stupid stuff. He did a lot of good stuff, but one of the things about Peter was is that after Jesus left, is he, he, he got very bold, and you saw growth in his life. If anybody knew what it was like to be one person before Jesus and then to meet Jesus and begin a pattern of growth, and to be someone totally different by the time he died, it was Peter. And Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2, I want us to look at just a couple of verses there, where he talks about why, what, what we're supposed to be like when we grow. And, and I want to read those to you. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting with verse 2, and I'm going to read 2 through 5. He says this, Like newborn infants... Long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, 
to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, in this in this message, or in, in this this these few verses here, I see that there's a there's a probably three things that that you maybe you could look at and say this is a process of growth, or these are these are three components of what it means to grow toward Jesus Christ to become more Christ-like in your life. And uh, I grew up in a, by the way, uh, Chris Roberts' dad is here today and mother. Uh, Reverend Larry Roberts is Chris's dad. Chris, Chris's dad pastored churches in this state. And, uh, and, and uh, did you pastor in Tennessee or you just worked up there for a while? Yeah. He pastored churches in this state for a long time. And he's retired and glad that he doesn't have to do this every Sunday morning now. Glad he can come to church instead of work at church. It's awesome, isn't it? And, uh, and I grew up in, I, I, never, I didn't, never grew up in one of Reverend Roberts' churches, but I grew up in churches where, where you had a, a real pastor. See, I'm not a real pastor. I preach Sunday mornings, and that's it. He, was a re, he had to preach Sunday morning, then he had to have a different sermon ready for Sunday night, and then he had to have some kind of Bible study ready for Wednesday night. The way people like him did that without going completely bananas, I'll never know it, but, but real pastors like him is what I grew up under at my church. And I had a pastor that he loved to make sermons where every point in the sermon started with the same letter. And I don't know if I've ever done that before, but this, this sermon, I figured out how to do that. And I'm pretty excited about this, so get ready. There's three points to this sermon, and they all start with the same letter, so, so I'm excited about this. It's easy for you to take notes. Here's the first one. The first one is desire. The first one is desire. See, look there in, in verses 2 and 3 of, of, of 1 Peter chapter 2. He says, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now, when he starts off there and he says, like newborn infants, Peter's not, Peter's not putting down the people that are reading this letter. He's not telling them, hey, y'all are a bunch of spiritual babies. No, he's just making an example. He's using it as an example. He's saying, listen, just like a baby desires milk, and those of you that have babies in your house, they let you know when they're ready for that milk, don't they? They are very vocal about that. And he says, just as a baby desires pure spiritual milk, then we're supposed to desire milk. We're supposed to desire things that will help us grow into a follower of Jesus Christ, that that, that should be part of us, that, that there should be a desire to know Jesus. And it says in there that, that what we should desire is pure spiritual milk. Now, what, what is he talking about there? Well, I think what he's talking about there is he's talking about the Word of God. I think he's talking about what we today call the Bible. Now, at that time, when he was writing this, they didn't have printed Bibles like we do that are, that are bound up, or, or they certainly didn't have electronic Bibles like we have now that you can hold in one hand here. But, but that's what he's saying. He said that we should desire, if we want to truly grow we want to grow up in our, in our salvation. We want to be different than we once were. If we want to be a stronger follower of Jesus, then what we have to do is we have to begin by desiring to read the Word of God. There has to be some type of desire. There's got to be some type of want to there. Now, where does that come from? Because one of the things that I know to be true is that I can't just make myself want something. Uh, there, there's a lot of things that I want, but, but there's very few things that I just decide one day, hey, I want to make myself want that. Well, it says in verse 3, this is where it comes from. He says that you should grow up in your salvation, verse 2, then you go to verse 3. He says, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. See, that desire comes from the fact that at some point 
you've had some type of experience with Jesus. And he's done something in your life. And you know that he's good. And that makes you want more of it. Now, um, one of the things, uh, Paige Burkhalter is here today. And Donnie already called her out. He didn't know that I was going to call her in the message. You'll recognize Paige as the only woman here today wearing a Carolina Panthers jersey. Because they have a playoff game today. And so she's excited about that. And uh, now Paige Burkhalter makes the best banana pudding I've ever eaten in my life. And I'm saying that in front of my wife, and, and I would say it in front of my mama, who made great banana pudding. And Sherry's mother made banana pudding for us on New Year's Day to go along with our collard greens and black-eyed peas. And it was good, and we were eating it. And Sherry looked at me, and she said, is that as good as Paige's? And what did I tell you? I said, no, it's not as good. It's really good, but it's not as good as Paige's. Now, it's the best banana pudding I've ever eaten. And, uh, and let me, I'll tell you a funny story. We, we, we were at Life Group. This is another advertisement to sign up for Tracy and Paige's Life Group. She'll probably make you banana pudding one Wednesday night. But uh, we were at Life Group. I was in their Life Group this last time, and Paige had made chicken and dumplings and a banana pudding. You don't get a whole lot better than that. And we're sitting there eating the banana pudding, or, or, or maybe it was vegetable soup that night. But anyway, either way, there was banana pudding. That's what I remember. We're sitting around the table, m- gr- group of men, and I take a bite of it, and there's my friend Tom is sitting across from me, and Tom had not gotten any banana pudding. And I took a bite of it, and I took a second bite, and I hollered to Paige, who's in the other room. I said, Paige, this is the best banana pudding I've ever eaten. And Tom does this. He's sitting, I'll, I'll demonstrate. He's sitting down, and he said, are you serious? That's the best banana pudding you've ever had? I said, yeah. And he went, got up, and like almost ran over started, like he didn't want to miss out on it, right? He didn't want to miss out on that good banana pudding. I mean, he moved so fast. Now, if Paige were to say to me today, hey, Cliff, I'm making banana pudding for the Carolina Panthers playoff game today. Before she could ask me, would you like to come over? I'd say, yes, I'll be there. Now, why? Because I've tasted her banana pudding before, and I know how good it is. I don't have to be convinced that it's good. I don't have to have someone try to talk me into it. I've tasted it. I know for myself that it's good. And what Peter says here, he says, listen, if you've tasted that the Lord is good, if Jesus has done anything at all in your life, then there should be a desire that you have to want more of that. There should be a desire that you have that you want to grow towards Jesus Christ. It shouldn't be me standing up here trying to tell you, hey, you should grow, it's important, and you walking out of here saying, well, I guess I should because Cliff said it. No, if, if, if you've got any kind of relationship with Jesus, if he's saved you from sin and you're aware of that, if he's helped your marriage and you're aware of that, if he's built up a relationship in your life that encourages you and you're aware of that, if he's helped you through, through some kind of illness or sickness and you're aware of that, anything that he's done in your life and you were aware of that, then there should be a desire in your heart that you want more of that. There should be a desire that you want pure spiritual milk. You want to read the Word of God. You want to know more about Him. Now, as I say that today, I understand that that you might be out there and you might be thinking, I don't have a desire for any of that, Cliff. And what I would say to you today is then you need to start at the beginning. And you need to start by understanding what Jesus has done on the cross. And you need to look at your life and you need to recognize that you need Him. Because until you have that experience with Jesus, you can't grow in Jesus. You can't, you can't be close to Him until you've had that experience with Him. Because you're a stranger to Him without that. But He doesn't want to stay a stranger in your life. 
He wants to be the most important thing in your life. He wants to be the one that saves you from your sin. He wants you to have a taste of who he is. And then you can grow in him. Now, the second thing that we need uh, as, a, as a component to growth, the first one is desire. The second one is daily development. I just knocked out two Ds with one point right there. That's, that's good stuff, isn't it? Daily development. Look at verse 4. It says this, As you come to him, we could stop right there, but we're going to come back to that in a minute. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Now, I just said a while ago that you might be here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And all of us, if you have a relationship with Jesus, there was a starting point for that somewhere in your life. For some of you, it was when you were very young, you were raised in a, in a home with Christian parents that taught you about Jesus, and it was just a very natural thing from the time you were very young to understand about him, to understand your need for him, and you accepted Jesus at a very young age. For some of you, it was when you were older and in high school or college, and then some of you, you were an adult, and, uh, and you were off, and you were already doing your own thing, living your own life, and, and Jesus intervened in your life, and, and you began a relationship with him. And so for all of us that are followers of Jesus, there had to be a starting point. There has to be some point where you were not a follower of Jesus, and now you are where you crossed over a line of faith. Now, whether or not you can go back and tell me exactly when that is, that's not the issue. That's not what we're concerned with. But the issue is, is that once you cross that line, then it's not over. Then, then, the, then the daily development begins. Because what it says there in verse 4 is it says that as you come to him, that, that the process of growing toward Jesus Christ is something that happens every single day. It's not a one-time event. Um, now, one of the things that we do when, when, you, when you begin a relationship with Jesus, one of the things that we do here and we encourage you to do is we encourage you to be baptized. And we talk about the importance of baptism. We talk about the importance of the, the fact that Jesus was baptized. And we talked about that we want to follow and do things the way Jesus did. And so that it's important at some point for you to say, I once was a person without Jesus, now I'm a person who Jesus has saved, and I want everybody to know that, and I want to do that by being baptized, and we do that, and we celebrate it, and that's awesome when we celebrate that. But, but that's not where the relationship ends. In fact, that's just the very, very beginning of the relationship. That if you want to grow towards Jesus Christ, it is a daily development as you come to him every single day. On, on June 8th, 1991... I had the, the honor and the privilege of becoming the husband of Sherry Mathis, who is now Sherry Marshall. She's my wife, been, been my wife ever since that day, June 8th, 1991. Now, we had, a, we had a celebration that day, and it was exciting, and it wasn't as big as some of these weddings that people are doing now. Y'all are spending way too much on your weddings, young ladies, all right? If you're in high school right now, take all your plans you want, quit watching Say Yes to the Dress, and, you know, do something a lot less expensive and make your daddy happy. That's, that's for free. That's not even part of the regular sermon. But we, had a, we, had a, a, we did have a ceremony, and, and it was nice. It was not expensive, but it was nice, and it was a big deal. And we, had, we got married in Charleston, and we had people. My family came in from Columbia, and her family came in from Travers Rest. And first time they'd ever been to the big city. It was exciting. No, I'm just kidding. They'd, they'd been to the big city before. They're going to kill me if they find it. But, but they came in. You know, and, and so we had, it was this big celebration. It was awesome, right? 
Now, imagine if after the big celebration of that day, if now we're married and I just quit talking to Sherry and she quit talking to me. We're married, but we don't talk anymore. We don't go out on dates anymore. We, we don't really communicate at all, but we're still married. Now, would you say that's a strong marriage? Would you say that's a, a healthy relationship? No, that's, that's a terrible relationship, but, but we're married. There are some of you in here today that you could look back and you can tell me, yeah, I remember when I was baptized, Cliff. I remember the day it happened. I remember what happened. But since that day, you haven't daily come to Jesus. There's not been a growing relationship that you've had. You don't talk to him. You don't learn about him. You don't experience what he wants you to do in your life. You had some type of big celebration, and then you just went on and did whatever it is that you wanted to do after that. And I would tell you that's not a healthy relationship. That's not the relationship that Jesus wants you to have. See, we're supposed to have a relationship where it says, like in verse 4, as you come to him, as we come to Jesus, he's the living stone that's rejected by men, but he's the, he's the chosen one of God. And we can have a relationship with the chosen one of God, and we can come to him daily and experience that. And then in verse 5, it says this, when we do that, when we come to him daily, this is what happens. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. See, we're becoming something new. You yourselves are, are a living stone that are being built not into just another stone, but into a spiritual house. You were just a stone all by yourself. That's what you were. God created you. You have value because God created you, but you're just a living stone by yourself. But when we come to Jesus and we begin to grow in Jesus, what happens is then what was a living stone can now grow up and to be a spiritual house where other people can benefit from that, where we can be, be exactly who it is that Jesus wants us to be. And where, how does that happen? What well, happens through daily life. It happens through reading the Word. It happens through struggle. It happens through success. It happens through a successful marriage. It happens through a divorce that you went through. It happens through a bankruptcy that happened to you. It happens through a business that you started that made you more money than you could ever imagine. It happens through all of those things that, that Jesus can use all of those things in our life if we will be connected to him, reading his word, understanding who he wants us to be, and that we can grow and have daily development. Remember, it's not a one-time event. It's a daily process becoming more like him. And then what is the result of all that? Well, the end of verse 5, you saw part of it, and then we'll read that in just a second. The result of that is the last D word for the day, and it's a short D word, and that is do. D-O, not D-O-O, D-O, all right? You got that? Do, right? That's the last one, and look what it says in verse 5 at the end of it. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Why? To be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God, through Jesus Christ. See, if you're going to grow towards Jesus Christ, if that growth is going to be real, then it has to lead to action. Growth, growth that, that, is, that is really what Jesus wants you to become, then it leads to you doing something with it. 
Now, I grew up in a, in a great church, um, and, this is, and what I'm about to say is not, I'm not saying that it was my church's fault. It was my fault for not understanding what they were trying to teach me. But as I was growing up, I believed that the best way to know if you were growing in Jesus Christ was how much you knew. That's just what I thought. And I thought it was all about being able to name all the books of the Bible in order, and so guess what? I could do that. I could still do it today. I thought it was about being able to name all 12 disciples, being able to name all 12 tribes of Israel, being able to do all those kinds of things and and memorize Scripture, which all of those things are good. In fact, memorizing Scripture is one of the best possible things you can do. But what I thought as a, as a young child and as a, later as a, as a teenager is that, that that meant that I was really growing in Jesus if I could just have all the right answers at every right time. And man, I could do it because I was at church all the time and I could answer every question they ever asked. And I thought that that was growing in Jesus. But what I didn't realize was is that, that knowledge that doesn't lead you to do anything isn't really worth a whole lot. That that knowledge, that understanding where all the books of the Bible are and knowing who all 12 disciples are and being able to tell you their background and all that stuff, that's good if it leads you to do something. And what the, the Apostle Peter tells us here is that, that one of the things that it must lead us to do is that, that we become a holy priesthood that offers ourselves as spiritual sacrifices to the things of God. Now, those of you, there's, some, there's those of you in here that were like me when I was a kid, and I want you to, you can answer out loud now when I answer this. I'm, I'm not asking a re- question I don't want you to answer. He says become a holy priesthood. What, what does that mean? What did the priests in the Old Testament do? What were some of the things the priests in the Old Testament do? Smart kids like me, what did you do? What did they do? Offered sacrifices. All right, what else? Anything else? What's that? Prayed for the people. Mark, Mark was even way smarter than I was when he was a kid. He, could tell, he knew all 24 disciples. He knew disciples that weren't even mentioned in the Bible. I'm just kidding, but Mark is very smart. Yeah, some of the things that the Old Testament priests did is, the, is they offered sacrifices. They prayed for people. You know what they did? They helped bring people to God. That was their, kind of their big job is that back then you had God was in one place and the people were in another place and there was a separation between the two. In fact, it was a separation that was, that was indicated by a gigantic curtain that hung in the temple that was so huge that, that, it, that you could not get through it. And so the only person allowed to enter into the presence of God was the priest. And what Peter says to us, that if we're growing in Jesus, that we're supposed to be a holy priesthood. In other words, we're supposed to take people and we're supposed to help them come from where they are here and take them into the presence of God. Help them understand who Jesus is. Kind of sounds like our mission statement, does it? To help people that are spiritually in chains and help them to become spiritually free, which only happens through Jesus Christ. And Peter says, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be a holy priesthood. Now, is that a new idea? No. You know, the first time this was mentioned is way back in the Old Testament when God gave the the Ten Commandments to Moses. He gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. And then the next thing you know that he said to Moses was, he said, you are supposed to be a nation of priests. 
that the Israelites were not just supposed to go around killing everybody, but they were supposed to go into these nations and they were supposed to tell them about who God was, help them understand the truth about God, which would one day lead them to the truth about Jesus. And that's what we're supposed to do. That, that if we are growing in Jesus Christ, it's not just about gaining knowledge. It's not just about trying to be good boys and girls. It's about doing something with that faith, which is helping people who are far from God understand who God is. And he says that, that we become a holy priesthood, and we do that through offering spiritual sacrifices. You know what the Apostle Paul said about spiritual sacrifices? Romans 12, 1, he said this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We're supposed to give all we are to this, even our bodies. Everything that we have should go into being a holy priesthood, taking people who are far from Jesus and bringing them closer. But that only happens if we are growing in him because growth leads to us doing something. Now, I believe, uh, maybe I'm just dumb enough to believe this, but I believe that if, that if everybody who's a part of this church, those of you that are here today, those of you that are not here today but listen on a podcast later, that I believe that if all of us who are part of this church, if we are all growing toward Jesus Christ, if we all have that desire to know him, if we all are developing daily to be more like him, and then if we all do something with what we've developed into, that that this church won't have any problem at all accomplishing our mission. But it takes all of us to make that happen. And, and this is what I want us to do. We're going to do this this week and the next two weeks. As I was thinking about our strategy, and I was thinking about these three things, grow towards Jesus Christ, develop real relationships, and love people. It's okay for me to stand up here and say, hey, you need to grow. That's great, grow. And then you're thinking, okay, well, how are we going to do that? We need some tools, Cliff. We need, we need, and so I'm going to give you what I call handles. I'm going to give you handles every week for something to grab a hold to, and this is, all right, this is what I can do. And the way these handles are going to be divided, and so if you're taking notes, you can write this down. For the Grow Towards Jesus Christ, and it's going to be the same way the next two weeks, there's going to be a personal handle, which means it's something that only you can do. I can't do it for you. Donnie can't do it for you. Our elders can't do it for you. Only you can do it. And then there's going to be a group handle or a, or a corporate handle. It's something that we all do together. That we as a, a staff and elders, we, we try to give you opportunities and it's something we do together. And for the Grow Towards Jesus Christ, here's the personal handle. And I wonder if somebody can guess what this handle is going to be before I say it. Can anybody guess what it's going to be? Oh, yeah, listen, y'all are right on it. Read your Bible. Bible reading. Some of y'all need to be writing this down. You're like, oh, Cliff, I'm going to remember to read the Bible. No, you're not. You didn't read it last Monday morning. You ain't going to read it tomorrow if you don't write it down and do something about it. Because here's the deal about Bible reading. You need to have a plan. If it's going to happen, and I'm not saying this because I'm a smart aleck and think you're a jerk. I'm saying that because I know about me and just about human nature. If we don't have a plan when it comes to reading the Bible, chances are we're not going to read it. You need to have a plan. You need to figure out, okay, how much it, and, and here's what we're going to do. Before, we leave, before you leave today, or as you leave, there's going to be folks in the back, and they've got a Bible reading plan that's on one sheet of paper that we're going to give you. That if you don't have one, try that one. And if you use that Bible reading plan and you use it for 365 days, you'll read through the whole Bible in one year. 
And so you need to have a plan or else you won't do it. Now, let me tell you about a plan. Here's what happens sometimes. And I've done this before myself. You might, and some of you are going to say, yes, that's me. You might get two weeks into that plan and then you miss a day. All right? And then you're like, oh, snot. I got to... Uh, I got to make that up tomorrow, you know, I got to, and so, so you try to read double the next day, well, then you miss another day, and then, and then next thing you know, you're about five days behind, and what happens when you get about five days behind? Well, I'll just try that again next year, and you just throw it aside, you quit. Now, think about the Bible as, the Bible is spiritual food, right? Think about the Bible as spiritual food. Now, what if you did your own, let's say one day you were at work, and you just got really into your job, and you worked straight through lunch. There's not a one of you, if you work straight through lunch, you'll be like, well, I'm not going to eat anymore. I mean, there's no way to catch up. I can't eat twice as much at supper. I'm done, you know. No, you would go ahead and you just would continue to eat, right? So listen, when you start this plan, you're going to fall behind. That's okay. But continue and, and pick it back up. And if you don't read the whole Bible in a year, that's fine. If you read half the Bible in a year, that's more Bible than you probably read last year. So we're going to give you a plan, and I want you to try to, if not that plan, then there, go on the Internet. There's a thousand of them. You can find your own plan. If those of you that have, there's a, a, a Bible app called Version. You can download it for free on your phone or on your iPad, and you go in there, and they've got tons of reading plans on Version. Any kind of, any um, um, translation you want. And But first thing, the per- personal handle for growing towards Christ is reading the Bible. It's absolutely the best tool that we have for growing in Jesus. Now, the, the, the handle for all of us together is two things. First one is what you're doing today, being in worship. Now, more than just being here, but being here and participating, regularly participating in worship and, 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 and preparing yourself before you show up. See, this is something that we all do together. You don't have to... And unless you're me or one of the guys on this stage um, or, or unless you're working in the children's stuff or whatever, you don't have to do a whole lot before you show up. It's not like you got to, okay, i got to get my message together or study the music. You can just come and prepare your heart by asking God to speak to you and walking in and being ready. But being here is important. And if you're here once a month, all right, okay. But... You're going to get a whole lot more out of it if you're here three times or four times a month. It's just the way it is. It's not because I'm so smart. It's not because we have the best service in town. It's not because any of that stuff. It's because there's something important about gathering together as a group of believers. It's what it talks about in the Bible. In fact, there's a scripture in Hebrews where it says, Brothers, do not let us put that off. Do not let us quit gathering together that this is a good thing that what we do. And then the second thing is to participate in life groups. Because in life groups, one of the things you're going to do, you're going to have an opportunity to learn things that are going to help you grow toward Jesus Christ. And we're talking about finances this time. You're like, Cliff, finances, that has nothing to do with Jesus. Well, if you read the New Testament, you'll find out it has a whole lot to do with Jesus because he talked about finances a lot. And so those two things, that's your, that's your corporate handle. That's your group handles. Being here Sunday mornings, being involved in life groups. Your personal handle to grow towards Jesus Christ is to read the Scripture every day. Now, I know that there are some of you here that are way deeper than I am. And right now you might be thinking, Cliff, there's so much more. You you haven't talked about prayer and fasting and all that. You're right, I haven't. But I've got to give us a place to start. And I think if you start by reading the Scripture, 
and participating in worship and life groups, then guess what that's going to do? That's going to lead you to prayer. That's going to lead you to fasting. That's going to lead you to giving your money like you should. That's going to lead you to doing all these other things. But that's start there. If we want to grow towards Jesus Christ, let's read the Scripture. Let's be in worship together. Let's be in life groups together. I'm going to pray for us. Next week, come back. We're going to talk about developing real relationships. I'm going to talk about what that means for us as a church. I'm going to give you some handles for that as well. So uh, as you leave, we're going to have some folks out there. They are going to have Bible reading plans. Take one of those if you want it. If you, if you uh, already are using one, but you've got a friend that needs one, take one and give it to them. They're, they're free. Take as many as you want. All right? Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for, for your word and, and for the fact that, that it's, it's real and it's powerful. And uh, it's the best tool that we have for knowing who you are. And, and so I pray that, that you would give each of us a desire to read that. Uh, that, that we would wake up tomorrow and we'd want that as much as we want to eat. And, uh, and we would have really, really dig into that and, and become the people you want us to be. I thank you for each person that's here. And I pray that they would walk away today encouraged knowing that you want to have a relationship with them. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.